Uh, this morning we're going to start a new series of sermons uh, over the next couple of weeks. We're going to be spending our time in the book of Psalms. And if you aren't familiar with the book of Psalms, uh, the Psalms are really what they are is they're an ancient songbook, uh, ancient Hebrew psalm book that's, uh, that's in the Old Testament. And if you don't know where it is, it's fairly easy to find. There's 150 chapters. We won't be going through all 150 chapters in our time together, uh, but it's right about in the middle of the Bible. So if you grab one of those Bibles that's under the chairs, or if you have a Bible with you and you open it up towards the middle, uh, chances are you might hit the book of Psalms. We're going to be in Psalm chapter 37 today, so you can turn there if you want. Otherwise, the words will be up on the screen. One of the things that I really appreciate about the Psalms, one of the things that, that I love about the Psalms, is, that, is the honesty of the writers. So the Psalms were written by a few different people. Most of them were written by David. You know, uh, David, King David, uh, David and Goliath David. He wrote most of the Psalms. But some of them were written by other people. In fact, a couple year, in a couple weeks, we're going to look at a Psalm that was written by Moses. But most of them were written by David. And the thing that we love about the Psalms, the, things, the reason we want to spend time in them, is that the Psalms are brutally honest with us and with God. So we've titled this series, um, Real People Following the Real God in a Real World. And the reason we've titled it that is because the psalmists, they are brutally honest about how things are going. And I love that about the psalms. If life is terrible, they say so. If they're upset with God, they say it. If it's a great time, they say that as well. If there's something difficult that's happening in the world, if life is not going the way they want it to go, the writers of the Psalms are honest with God and honest with us. And I love that about the Psalms. So we'll be spending the next few weeks talking about some of what I think are really real issues that we deal with in our life and in our world. And we'll see what the psalmist has to say, what God's word has to say about how we are to handle those. I don't know about you, but uh, this definitely happens to me sometimes, and, and perhaps it happens to you sometimes uh, when I look at this world. When I look at the things that are happening in this world, and I look at the people I know and the people that are far from me, sometimes when I look at this world, maybe this happens to you too, I get frustrated because I look at this world and it seems to me, it seems to me that all the bad people I know in this world, all the people I see uh, who I would classify as maybe less moral than I am, uh, all those people that, that I see out there that, that, I would, that seem to be like, you know, underhanded and, and, and doing things the wrong way. Sometimes I look at the world and it seems to me that those are the people who are getting all the breaks. Does that ever happen to you? Does it ever seem like you look out into the world and you look at the people who have all the money and all the power and all the authority and get all the breaks and you look at them and you're saying, why is it, why is it that, that all of, of the, the, the greedy, underhanded, bad people, sometimes we just get in that mood, don't we? Why is it that all the people that, that I know that seem like they're not as good as I am, why are they the ones that get all the breaks? Why is it that the bad people tend to win? And why is it that the good people that I know, why is it that the good people are the ones that get trampled all over in this world? Does that ever happen to you? I know it happens to me. I look out and I'm, whether I know people personally or I see them from a distance, I look and I, and I say to myself, why is it just unfair like that? Why does it seem like there's so many wicked people or bad people or immoral people, godless people, however you want to term it, why does it seem like they're the ones that catch all the breaks and they get all the luck, and why is it that I know so many good people that have such a difficult 
time. Why is it like that? You know, we don't like those sorts of things uh, that happen in this world, do we? Those times where it just seems unfair. We would really much prefer that life, uh, that life always turned out like movies on the Hallmark Channel. That's what we want. Or movies on, the, on Lifetime or maybe the Hallmark Channel where everything kind of wraps up at the end and the people that deserve to live good lives, uh, they get to live good lives and the people that don't, uh, don't. That's how we want life to work. We want things to wrap up uh, very well. And, and for the people who, who have earned a good life to be able to live that good life and for the people who have not earned a good life uh, to get what they deserve, really, is what we want to see. We like it when it happens that way. But when it happens the other way, where it seems like the people that are, that are not the good people are winning and the people that are good people are losing, there's something about that that just bothers us. Are you familiar with the, the motivational posters that they put up in, like, conference rooms or in maybe in your doctor's office or something like that? You know what I'm talking about, right? They're called uh, motivators. They they big picture of maybe... Uh, a, a skull rowing team, a crew team on a boat on a, a nice glassy lake or river and they're rowing together and then underneath the picture it'll say something like teamwork, right? And underneath teamwork it'll say something along the lines of because together we're better than we are apart or something like that. And they'll put those up, you know, to motivate you at your office or, or wherever you're going. Well, there's a website out there that just happens uh, to fit my sort of sick, sarcastic sense of humor, and it's called despair.com. And on despair.com, they make demotivators, and I, t- I tend to appreciate the demotivators uh, that they make. And so one of the demotivators that I came across uh, recently is a picture of a, of a salmon that's swimming upstream, and the salmon is fighting the current. You know, you've seen the National Geographic special, right, where the salmon, they have to swim hundreds of miles to to get to where they spawn, and so they're going upstream, and they're jumping over the waterfalls. And there's this picture of a salmon that is jumping over a waterfall, and as it's flying out of the air, it is flying right into the waiting mouth of a grizzly bear. And underneath the picture, it says, Ambition, because sometimes a journey of a thousand miles ends very, very badly. I probably shouldn't think that's funny, but for some reason, that's just funny to me. We know people who are like the salmon, don't we? We see that happen in this world. In fact, sometimes we feel like that's us. Where we are working hard, we are struggling against the current to do the right thing and go the right place. We're trying to do everything that we can to do the right thing, and we're, and we're jumping, and we're, and we're swimming, and we're fighting, and we're going, and we know people like this, or maybe it's ourselves. We, we feel this way about ourselves, and we are trying to do the right thing and go the right direction, and it just seems like every time we try to jump out of the water and make it to that next spot, some giant bear is waiting for us just to pick us off and swallow us whole. That's exactly how some of us feel. And that's, we see that in this world, good people that are trying and struggling and working. It just seems like every time they try to make the next leap, something happens that knocks them back. You know, maybe uh, you go to a class reunion or you log on to Facebook and you see people and, and what they're doing and you, you see all the things that are happening and and maybe it's people that you know, and they've never really been your favorite people. You go back to the reunion, and you see the person that used to pick on you or bully you, and 
you go on Facebook and you, you know how people live their life and, and you see on Facebook, you look at the pictures and they're posting pictures of their house that's nicer than yours and they're posting pictures of their family that seems well, way more put together than your family and they're posting pictures of their vacation to some unbelievable place that you've never been. And something just starts to go in your head inside of you, and you say to yourself, you know, it's just not fair. It's just not right. It's not right that these people get to live this life. And I'm stuck here in this life because I know them. And I know how they are, and I know what they used to be, or I know how they behave today. And it's just not right that they get to live that life while I'm stuck here. Or maybe you see the business person, uh, maybe it was from the the housing crisis we had a number of years ago, but you see the business person who's kind of underhanded and sleazy. You see the person that takes advantage of people. Maybe you see the CEO who's who's able to cut thousands of jobs um, so that the stock price goes up without seemingly caring about what happens to those thousands of people. And you look at that person, you say to yourself, why is it that that person gets to have all the power and the money? Why all sorts of good people have so much less? You know, maybe you know someone in your life that's just a good person. But it seems like they're always at the doctors or the hospitals getting the bad diagnosis. And the challenge is, is that they're the They're the greatest person you know. They're such a good person. And then the last person that deserves to have something like that happen to them. But it seems like every time they get over one thing, there's just another thing that comes behind it. You know, maybe you look at the pictures that come out of places like San Bernardino or Paris or all of those scenes that we have unfortunately seen over the last few years. And you just keep saying to yourself, why does it seem like the evil people are winning? Why does it seem like they get the breaks and good people have to suffer? That's a real question that we all ask. And then the question becomes, so how do we reconcile that God is real and supposed to be in all of this? What are we supposed to do with the fact that there's so many places in life where we can look and we can say to ourselves, all right, the people who should not be winning are winning and the people who should be winning are losing. What do we do when we look at the world and we see all these places? And then what do we do with our relationship with God in those moments? Well, David in Psalm 37 has a few words for us. In fact, David, you know, in his life, he saw those things too. He saw people that would would not be the best people succeed and people that are great people fail. And when David looked at that, he he wrote something that I think was very helpful for himself and he wrote something that is very helpful for us. And it's right there in Psalm chapter 37. And what David does is this is what he does. He says to us, when you encounter these type of situations... Here's what you shouldn't do. Here's what you should do instead. And this is the reason why you should do it. We're going to read 11 verses this morning. And in those 11 verses, this is what David says. He says, here's what you should not do. Here's what you should do instead. And here's why you should do it. This is what he said in Psalm chapter 37. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. 
He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. You know, three, time, three times in, in those 11 verses, David says we shouldn't do the exact same thing. And he says to us in verse 1, he says it again in verse 7, and he says it again in verse 8. He says to us, when you come into these situations, where the bad people are winning and the good people are losing. He said the thing that you shouldn't do is you should not fret. You should not fret. You know, that Hebrew word that David uses there, which is translated in almost every English version as fret, is an interesting word. The Hebrew word is harah. And the word means It doesn't mean worry, and it doesn't mean envy. What it means, what it refers to, is it refers to that feeling that we get inside of ourselves when we get angry at other people. And not just, not just, not righteous anger. David's not talking about righteous anger. Okay, there's righteous anger that when we see injustice in the world causes us to stand up for what God says is right, causes us to make positive change, causes us to move in the right direction and organize people and and get rid of injustice. David's not talking about righteous anger. What he's talking about here is he's talking about those things that happen inside of us. When we look at other people and we see situations that are unfair and we just get upset about it. Not healthy, righteous anger that leads towards good, but that thing that just sits inside of us and causes us to fret and causes us to worry, and causes us to be angry, and causes us to be envious. That feeling, that sensation that sits inside of us, they translate the word fret in most of our English translations, but it refers to more than that. It is the external, uh, external uh, coming of what, an internal sort of anger and deep resentment. That thing that can just eat at us and eat us up inside. David says, you know, when you come across these situations that are unfair, here's what you shouldn't do. You shouldn't spend time allowing yourself to be filled with these feelings of worry and of anger and frustration. The worst thing that you can do, the worst thing that you could do is allow yourself and your soul and your, and your mind to spend your time on envy and worry and all of those things. Spend that time uh, uh, cultivating that sense of anger that gets inside of you when you see those kinds of situations. In fact, in verse 8, David says to us, listen, if you're going to spend your time fretting, if you're going to spend your time allowing that sensation to burn hotter and hotter and hotter of you inside of you, let me tell you, it's only going to lead you towards evil. It'll only lead you in one direction. And that direction is a bad place. If you allow that emotion when you come across an unfair situation to eat you up inside and get bigger and bigger, David says to us, listen, let me tell you one thing. It will lead you someplace, but it's not going to lead you anywhere good. 
that feeling of, of envy, that feeling of fret. You know, I think in our world more than ever before is growing bigger and bigger. Partly because we're connected more than ever before. I was reading this week an article, and it was this um, scholarly journal, art, journal article on research that was done across social media platforms. And the researchers were specifically studying how envious we are becoming of other people as a society due to social media and everything that we see. You see, sometimes we forget when we log on to Facebook or social media or wherever, we watch people on television, we forget that all that we see of people is what they want us to see. All that we see of people is an image that they're willing to put out there for other people to see. What we don't see of people is a true window into what their life is really like. And we forget that sometimes, the author said of this study when we log on. In fact, most of us do. And so we log on to social media sites and we see these images that people are putting out and we see the reality of our own life and how our life isn't perfect, but we go online and no one puts online uh, that picture of their family screaming at each other in the car. No one puts that picture online. They put the picture online of their family at the beach having an unbelievable time. And what we do is we go into those places and we look at those pictures and more than ever before, we allow this feeling of envy to creep up inside of us and we say to ourselves, it is not fair that they get to live that life that we see online and I have to live the life that I, ha- that I live. And more than ever before, this emotion that David is talking about I think we are embracing more and more because we are so accessible to each other and our lives that we're putting out there are not the reality of what we're living, but just pictures that we want other people to see. So they think that our lives, our lives are better than they really are. The researchers, they came up with what they called the, the, um, the self-promotion envy spiral, which I thought was so interesting, and as I read about it, it's so true. This is exactly what happens. People go online and they see other people and their life looks so great. And so they see their picture of, of, um, of uh, their family maybe at, at Disney World. And, uh, and so they, they see that picture up there and then they, they make a comment, right? And the comment sounds something like this. Oh, I see your family went to Disney. That's nice. Our family went there last year. So we're not going to go again. So here's a picture of our family on our better vacation in Hawaii this year. And so the, self, the envy of what we see of other people's lives causes us to promote ourselves even more, which then causes the other person to be envious of us. And this is what we want, right? When we go online, a lot of times social media, we want to like put something out there that makes other people think we're pretty good, that we're great, that we look great that day. That's why we do our hair and we're like, I got to show the world this. And so you take the selfie and you put it out there. You know, some people are like, wow, you look great today. And that's really what it is. And people get envious, and then they promote themselves more. And then they get envious, and they promote themselves more. And it's this never-ending spiral of us being envious of each other so that we promote ourselves more. I thought, man, that absolutely happens in our world today. And we allow ourselves to embrace this feeling, and we go after it. And David says, when you come into situations that you think are unfair, don't embrace that emotion. Don't go after it. It will lead you nowhere good. Instead, he says, instead, don't go after that emotion, don't fret, don't worry, don't be envious. When you see those situations that seem unfair, instead, he says in verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. 
I think the mistake that we often make when we see other people that we, and we get frustrated that they're succeeding and other people are losing is that we think that what they're getting when we call success, what they have, maybe that's more money, better health, a, a better home, whatever it is, that we think that those are the things that will ultimately satisfy our souls. And so we get frustrated because we think those are the things that really are going to make people happy. And they have more of it than we do. I heard a pastor recently tell a story of his family. They went to a restaurant. And at the restaurant, on the TV screens around the restaurant, there were cartoons playing. His son was about four years old at the time that they were at this restaurant. And the cartoons that were playing on the wall were the old cartoons of Wiley E. Coyote and the Roadrunner. You remember those? And so the cartoon was playing and there was no sound. And his four-year-old son had never really seen them before. So while the family was talking and eating, he was mesmerized by these cartoons. And the coyote, Wiley Coyote, was trying all of his old tricks to catch the roadrunner. So he was setting up dynamite, and he was dropping anvils, and all those things that he used to do to try to catch the roadrunner. And eventually he said his four-year-old son, he had watched the cartoons, everyone's getting ready, ordering food, eating, and he is fixated on these cartoons. And he said he finally stopped, and he turned to his family, and he said, guys, No matter what he does, he's never going to catch that chicken. And it's true, right? No matter what he did, he was never going to catch the roadrunner. And yet, that's exactly how this life works. We will try all sorts of things to try and go and satisfy our souls and satisfy our desires. To try to find that thing that will finally make us happy. To try to find that one thing that will finally fulfill us. To try to find that one thing that will fulfill the gap that exists inside of all of us. And no matter how hard we try, no matter how hard other people try, we run after it, we chase it, we chase it, we chase it, we chase it, and we will never be able to find it in this world. And David's just reminding us, you know, all those things that you get upset over because you think that these bad people are getting all of the breaks and you think that they're getting the things that will make you happy and make you feel successful. He's reminding us that there is nothing in this world that can ultimately satisfy our souls. Instead, he says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. David says there's nothing in this world that can satisfy our souls. The only thing that exists that can satisfy our souls exists outside of this world. So go after him and chase after him and choose to put your joy not in the things that don't satisfy, but in the things that do satisfy. We delight in those things that we believe are going to satisfy our soul. We choose to chase after those things that we believe will give us contentment and fulfillment. We make those choices. Some of us choose to delight in money. Some of us choose to delight in family. Some of us choose to delight in work. Some of us choose to delight in sports. Some of us choose uh, to delight just in in running a business, whatever it is. Some of us, we choose to delight in these things because we think that those are the things that are ultimately going to satisfy our soul. And David just reminds us, those are not the things that are going to satisfy your soul So when you're choosing to delight in something, put your delight in the Lord. He uses some other words in these verses. Trust Him. Commit yourself to Him. Be still before Him. Put everything you have into Him because He is the one who will give you the desires of your heart. 
So don't fret, he says. Instead, uh, instead commit your, um, put your desire in the Lord. And then he says the reason why we're to do that. He says, don't fret. Instead, delight yourself in the Lord. And this is the reason why he tells us to do it. And it's right there in verse 10 and 11. He says, in just a little while, the wicked will be no more, but the meek will inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The last thing that David says to us, he says, listen, don't worry, don't be envious, don't fret, don't get too upset. Don't allow that emotion and that feeling to lead you to bad places. Instead, delight in the Lord because there is going to come a time when we leave this earth and go and spend an eternity with God. He reminds us, this world is not the end. This world is not our ultimate home. This world is not the last place that we're going to be. And the people who will win in the next world are the people who honor God and follow him and delight in him and run after him. Just remember, he says, this world is not all that we have. And success in this world doesn't necessarily mean anything in the kingdom of God. So don't allow yourself to be embittered. Don't allow yourself to be envious. Don't allow yourself to be angry over these things. Instead, take all of that emotional energy and put it towards delighting in the Lord. And remember that this world is only temporary. One day we will be with him. And all of a sudden, everything will be exactly as it should be. A couple of years ago, when I was, you know, about 20 years ago, when I was a teenager, my family went to Colorado. And the Colorado River, if you've, if you've never seen it, is a pretty impressive sight. It starts in the mountains of Colorado, and it snakes its way all the way to the California Gulf. When we were in Colorado at this particular time, there had been a bunch of, uh, a lot of rain and there was a, a lot of runoff from snow over the winter. And so the Colorado River at the time that we were there was flowing outside of, of the bounds of its banks. And you could see how powerful and how much energy was in the water. But it, when it was flowing outside of its banks, it was a destructive force. There were all sorts of places where the water had washed out the bikes, the bikeways and the walkways on the side of the river. It had washed out roadways and anywhere that water spilled out over its banks, it was destroying things in its path. And there were even, we took a train through the mountains and on that train ride, I remember we came across two sites, not one but two, where people had tried to raft in the river when it was that high and they were on the banks of the river now. Uh, tending to people who had gotten hurt, and they had taken all their supplies and made giant X's on the side of the bank so that the helicopters could find where to come and rescue them. Because that river, when it was flowing in that way, was such a, uh, a destructive and dangerous force. But hundreds of miles downstream, that force, that energy, was put to great use. Hundreds of miles downstream, that same water was flowing through the Hoover Dam in Nevada. And when that same river flows through the Hoover Dam and it spins those turbines, it creates enough energy to supply the needs of 1.3 million people across California, Arizona, and Nevada. And so that same energy that can be such a destructive force, when channeled in the right direction, 
creates is an energy that is, that is something that is, that is very good and powerful in the right way. And that's exactly what David is saying to us. Listen, when you experience these sorts of situations where the bad people win and the good people lose, when you look out into this world and things are unfair, it's going to create within you a certain amount of emotional energy, a certain amount of, of power and drive within you. And here's what you shouldn't do. You shouldn't allow that to spill out in an unhealthy way. You shouldn't allow that energy to, to overflow its banks and do destruction in your own heart and in your life and in the lives of those around you. Don't allow it to turn into worry and fretting and anger and envy. Don't allow it to become those things. Instead, take all of that emotional energy. Take all of that and channel it towards the Lord. Delight in Him. Honor Him. Trust in Him. Commit your way to Him because remember, this world is not all that we have. And one day we'll be standing face to face with Him and the things of this world will not matter the way they do today. I'm going to invite our worship team to come forward as we close this morning. And as we do, I'm reminded in a sermon like this that at the end of the day, there's really only one person that's lived on this earth, who has had something that was truly unfair happen to him. And that was Jesus Christ himself. You know, we talk about good people. There was really only one person that came and lived on this earth and lived a perfect life. Only one person that came and never sinned. And that was Jesus himself. And the greatest injustice that's happened in this world was when a perfect man a perfect person was taken and brutally executed on a cross. If you want to talk about unfair things that have happened in this world, nothing is more unjust or unfair than a perfect man, Jesus himself, being taken and being executed on a cross. But in that moment... What he modeled for us was not anger or envy or rage or anything like that. He said to his father before it happened, whatever your will is, let it be done. And when he was hanging on that cross and he looked down at those people who had done such an injustice to him, he said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Because at the end of the day, Jesus knew that this was a far greater plan than what was just happening in the moment on this earth. That he was coming, that he was dying, he would be raised again, that we might spend an eternity in heaven with God. And it's the same way today. This world is unfair. It always will be. So when we encounter it, would we be the kind of people that do not allow things like anger and worry and envy to consume our souls, but would we be the kind of people who delight in the Lord and trust in Him and remember that one day this world is going to pass away and we'll be with Him. Would you stand and pray with me this morning? I don't know, maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're here this morning and and you're hearing these words that David has said and you're saying to yourself, this is so difficult for me. Maybe you're saying to yourself, you don't understand. 
I have seen and I have experienced such injustice. I have seen and I have experienced such hurt. I have seen places in my life where people have wronged me and people who are bad people have won and I have lost and the people who I care about have lost. And I want to say to you this morning, I am not in any way trying to diminish the injustices that happen in this world, not trying to diminish the unfairness that exists in this world, but to remind you that God has not abandoned you in that place. That his love is enough, that his mercy is enough, that his grace is enough so that you do not have to live with anger and envy and worry, but that you can put your hope and your trust and commit to him and he will be the one to bring healing and fill your heart. Maybe you're here this morning and you know that you've been delighting in things, but really the last thing that you've been delighting in in your life is the Lord. You've put your joy and you've put your hope into other things. And this morning you just need to say once again, God, I need to delight in you. I need to focus on you. I need to put my energy towards you. Maybe today is the morning that you just recommit in your own life that you would follow him again anew and that you would, you would go after him again anew. No matter where you are this morning, as we close our, our morning together with some music, we're going to have some leaders of our church up in front. Whatever's going on in your life, we'd love to pray with you. But also, these, these altars at the front of the room are open. This is our time. This is our time to spend time in prayer with God. And I know sometimes it can be uncomfortable to move and to come forward. It can be awkward. You can feel uncomfortable. But this is our time to come and intentionally spend time in the presence of the Lord and to pray before Him. And maybe you just need to come this morning and spend time kneeling before Him and talking to Him about these situations, talking to Him about the injustices that you've experienced or that you see and asking Him for His help to be able to delight in Him. Asking him for his help to take away the anger and take away the envy and take away the worry. If you'll come and spend time in his presence, I promise you he'll be faithful to meet you in this place. God, we worship you. We honor you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for the truth that this world is not all that we have, but that one day we will be spending eternity with you. God, I pray that as we close this service and we spend time singing about you and in your presence, that your spirit will move and your spirit will lead and your spirit will guide. We thank you, Lord. We give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together. And if you'd like, please come and pray. Spend time in in the presence of God.